And it's going to be a new chapter, amen? In Jesus' name, that's what we're believing for. We're believing that God turns the page for all of us. So what is it that's holding you back from saying, Jesus, I want to be all in today? What's holding you back from saying, Jesus, I'm going to give you everything I am? If you're a candidate for God to move, would you lift your hands with me if you're comfortable? Father God, we're here today. Lord, we're asking you to rewrite our stories. Jesus, we're thanking you for each of us that have served you, God. We're all in, but God, we want more of you. We're not satisfied with what we have, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you move in power, move in your presence, touch each of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, good morning, all. My name is Greg Vicar. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is an exciting day. If you haven't noticed, we, we uh, decided to move a few chairs around and fit this big tub in over here. We're going to be having water baptisms after service today. Uh, typically, when we do water baptisms, we have an open water baptism where we preach a message on it and we invite people to come. This morning, we're starting a new series. It's called Predecide. So we've been letting you know for the past month or so, every Sunday, hey, we're going to be doing water baptisms today. So after we close service, probably about 11 o'clock, if you're getting water baptized, you have time to change. Um, and then if you want to you watch the water baptisms, we're encouraging you to do that. But kids are, are still going to be done around quarter of 11. Go get your kids. Dinners, I mean, lunch is downstairs. So there's a lot of moving parts after service. But I'm excited for what God is, is going to do today. We probably got, I don't know, nine or ten people that have signed up. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. All right, this whole idea of pre-decide, better choices, better life. Anybody want a better life? Yeah, I think I'd want a better life, right? But a better life starts with making better choices, and that's what leads us. So I'm going to talk about two groups of people this morning, and I want you just to think, maybe close your eyes, but just listen to the two groups and try to place yourself. Because it's, it's important for us to understand where are we as we come into this series, right? So the first group of people, they've got really meaningful relationships. They've got their core group of friends. They're, they're generous with their time, with their finances. They're, they're focused on helping others. They've got a strong marriage if they're married, but, but they've certainly got a strong sense of family, and, and they're rooted in that family, and you know, life hits them at times, but when it seems like when they get hit with life, they come out the other end because they've got an anchor, and that anchor is Jesus, right? So that's the first group. Second group, you know what? They're kind of struggling relationally. Maybe it's with friendships. Maybe it's with their kids. Maybe it's in their marriage, but they're struggling. It's hard for them to be generous because it feels like they're just always overwhelmed with life. There's one thing after another after another. Their, their heart is to be generous. It's just hard to be that way. And they know there's more to life, but if they're honest, they would say, you know what, I'm feeling a little empty right now. Right? So, so now that you've placed yourself, which one would you rather be in? Would you rather be in the first group or the second group? Right? And that's this whole concept of pre-decide, that if we can make better choices, we're going to have a better life. Because there's no accident for the people in the first group how they got there. And frankly, there's no accident for the people in the second group how they got there. It's our choices. It's our belief. It's, our, it's, it's what we choose to do with our time. All those things matter. So this morning, I'm starting off this series with this title, Take Back Your Life. Right? And I'm saying take back your life because I believe there's some of us that we're going down a path that isn't God's path for us. 
And literally, you can take it back and you can say, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to commit all that I am to you and I'm going to take back my life because actually we take back our life when we give it to Jesus, right? And, and there's some of us, we, we may have said, I give you my life, Jesus, but you know what the reality is? We're not walking like we gave him our life. We're walking like we said it, but, but we're not living it out. So what's the difference between the two groups? Those that have strong relationships, those that are grounded, those that don't. And they're kind of adrift. What's, what's really the difference? Let's look at what maybe it isn't. All right, I don't really think it's their intelligence. Because how many of you know intelligent people that are miserable? Anybody? I used to work with a bunch of them at Intel. PhDs, they were brilliant. Some of them were great. But some of them were miserable. So intelligence isn't it. Is it talent? Does talent make the difference? You know what? I think you'd agree with me. I know a lot of talented people that aren't very happy in life either. Right, ah, I know what it is. Maybe it's their appearance. Maybe it's all the good-looking, the blonde hair, blue-eyed, you know, starry, starry, dreamy people. But how many have seen attractive celebrities that can't figure out what marriage looks like? They don't know what relationships are, right? It's not just being, it's not our appearance either. So I'd propose that it's our decision-making that matters, right? If, if we can make good decisions, good decisions are going to lead us to, to where God would have us. And one of the problems with all of us is that we're probably not good decision makers. Like, let's just own up to it. Can we do that for a minute? Like, I'm I'm really not the best. I I would like to be better, but I'm not a great decision maker. So this morning, we're going to start to look at how can we improve our decision making. And God's word is practical to us. We're going to look at some things in his word, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, can I make decisions that line up with God's word? Because if you want an anchor that's going to take you through the storms of life, that anchor's got to be grounded in something. How many of you have ever been boating, right? I, I used to grow up, I, I grew up being a clam digger all through junior high and, and early in high school. And the anchor was a very important thing when a storm came. But if the anchor didn't seat on something, if it wasn't pulling in the mud, like your boat was just going to be adrift. So it's not just having an anchor, it's who are you anchored to? And this is what we see in Psalm 37.5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he'll establish your plans. Now, I have a plaque in my office, and I, I took it off the wall today to bring over and show it to you, and I left it in my office. But I've had a plaque that says Psalm 37.5 on it. Commit thy way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and bring it, he'll bring it to pass. I've had that over my desk since I've been in junior high. Now, in junior high and high school, I was a pretty good student. When I got to college, that, and he will bring it to pass, was very important as I prayed, okay, because I'm like, God, I don't know if I'm going to pass this test or not, but you're going to bring it to pass, amen? I don't know if it works that way, but, but he helped me. He helped me through college. He did. But it's important that we commit our way to the Lord in whatever we do, that he'll establish our plans, And, you know, I remember a time I had that plaque over my desk, and then life got rocky for me. You may have heard this story before, but at 17, my dad suddenly passed away of a heart attack. I said goodbye to him one July morning, and he never came home that night. And you know what? It's nothing that you're expecting. He was healthy. He was fit. Just one of those things. And you know what? My world was rocked. Now I'm thinking, am I going to get a chance to go to college? Like, are the, are the plans that I'm having for life, are they going to be fulfilled? 
how am I going to navigate life without talking to my dad? My dad and I, we were great friends, but man, we could also butt heads, right? And, and there was many times growing up that my dad, man, he would take me behind the woodshed, so to speak. If you know what I'm talking about, we can talk about it afterwards. But yeah, it was challenging, but he's exactly what I needed. And, and now I was thinking to myself, God, what am I going to do without my anchor? My dad was my anchor. And I remember reading in the Psalms, this scripture that says, God's a father to the fatherless. And I said to God, God, like, you're, you're all I got. Like, you have to fill the role of being my dad, not just being my heavenly father, but Lord, if there's a way that you could be my physical father and talk to me that plainly, like, I need you in my life. And really, what was I asking for? I was saying, God, I, I need not only your direction, but I need your correction because I don't always get it right. So, so that's what I was desiring of God. And that's who God was in my life, right? Because that's what I was asking. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. See, some of us, we say, God, would you bless the plans I'm making? But no, God, would you let me make plans for what you're blessing, right? It's a a different perspective that we need to have at times. But we've chosen to say, God, I'm going to live my life one way. And now, come on, Holy Spirit, you can be in the passenger seat when God is saying, no, 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 no. Like, Jesus take the wheel is the way the song goes, right? You don't get to hold on to the wheel. You don't get to if you want God to really direct your steps and establish your plans. So what does it look like to know our Father? What does it look like to have our feet planted on the rock and and to know that we're on solid ground? So I I know what happens when we don't commit our way to the Lord, right? I I know what happens. We can see in Scripture this story that, that there was two men that heard what God had to say, but one, one obeyed it and one didn't. And we can see what the result was. We find this story in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds his house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So don't miss the point. They both heard the word of the Lord. We're all hearing the word of the Lord today, but there's two groups of people. There's those of us that hear it and follow what he says and and where our house is built on the rock. And there's those of us that hear it Kind of goes in one ear, out the other ear. I'm going to go do my own thing. And you know what? Your house is built on the sand. And some of us, you don't even know it. What are we doing? Are we listening to God and are we obeying it? Now, I'm pretty sure that if right now in the middle of this service, like we were all overtaken and we heard, a, we heard God Almighty with an audible voice say, this is the way, walk thee in it. We'd probably all be struck down. We'd be on our faces and say, okay, I'm going to go do it. Right? Wouldn't you? If you heard God in an audible voice right now, would you leave here and just go do your own thing? Would you follow what he said to do? I think we'd probably follow what he said to do. But what about when we read God's word? Did you get the Shiloh news this Friday? If you don't get the Shiloh news, you can go to the bottom of our website and it's a, uh, you know, subscribe to the Shiloh news tab at the very bottom. But I gave you an encouragement from 1 Thessalonians. It says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. Who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Okay, how many of you are being thankful in all circumstances this week? 
See, we read God's word. It tells us, this is my will for you. And we're like, oh, God, I can't believe my car broke down, and this is going wrong, and this is going wrong. And we're just so caught up complaining that we're not following God's word. Like, what? Hello, McFly. It said it in his word. This is God's will for you, and we're not doing it. So this whole thing about listening to my teaching and following it, like, if we're open and honest, it's us. We found the problem, and the problem is us. We're not, we're, we hear God's word, but we're not obeying it. So what's my takeaway as I listen to, as I look into Psalms and Proverbs and Matthew? The quality of my decisions determines the quality of my life. Right now, sometimes it's, it's great to be a role model about what's done right. Sometimes it's also great to have role models about, okay, don't do it this way. And I'm going to give you one of those stories, a don't do it this way kind of a story, all right? Because I think it exemplifies something. Early on in our marriage, Meg and I were married about two years. We just bought our first home in Plano, Texas. Maybe you didn't know we lived in Texas. We owned a home there. So we buy this home. We're so excited. I'm out doing yard work, I think on a Saturday, and and this salesman comes to the door and says, hey, I would like to come and present a water softener system, um, and and, do you have a time that would, would be good for... For me to come by, and I'm like, sure, come, come on Tuesday night after dinner. So he comes, and he's going to present to us about water softeners. Now, how many of you had heard my stories? Like, I'm the guy that loves gadgets. I love watching infomercials. I love seeing the latest and greatest. So I want to get educated. Like, come on, what's the big deal? We're just going to get educated here. So could you guess what happens? The guy comes. He does a demonstration, fills up a big glass of water from my tap, and then pulls out his little chemistry kit, drops a couple of things to precipitate the limestone, I think is what we had in the water. And like a third of the glass is full of this yuck limestone that's precipitated out. And he goes, this is what you're drinking. This is what you're showering in. And, and, but we can filter all that out for you and soften your water. And it's going to make everything great. You're going to feel so silky smooth. And I'm like, I am hooked. <laughs> and then he gives us this. If you've ever had one of these guys to your house, you've ever gone to a presentation for a timeshare, they come with the line, right? Do you know what the line is? The line is, if you, if you make a decision today, right, we're going to save you all this money. We're going to throw this in, this in. Don't worry. Wait, there's, there's more. There's knives and, you know, whatever else. So, <laughs> so, all right, I've got the presence of mind to ask the guy if he'd go in the other room and Meg and I are going to talk for a minute. And Meg said some words to me I've asked her never, ever, 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 ever to say to me ever again. Because I said, Meg, what do you think? Like, whatever you want to do. Oh, those are bad words. Don't ever tell me whatever I want to do. Because I'm like, well, I know what I want to do. I want to buy this thing. Like, I, can't, I could never get this picture of all this limestone that I'm drinking. So we, so we buy this water. So it's thousands of dollars. But that's okay. We've got the money. It's, we're not going into debt for it. We buy this water softener. We get it installed. I'm silky smooth in the shower. I'm loving life. And six months later, we decide to move to come to New England. So we had the thing in our house for maybe eight months. Why did I spend thousands of dollars on something? It was a poor decision. It was a poor decision that, that then I, I brought it with me to New England. I had it installed when we bought it home here. I don't, I mean, we used it as a softener system, but we don't have limestone up here the same way as down there. 
So yeah, don't ever say whatever you think. Now we know. If we're not on the same page, we're not moving. Whether it's a Kirby, whether it's a timeshare, whether it's at a home show, we're not going to make a decision unless we are together, right? Because we need one another. So quality of decisions determines the quality of our life. So why is it that we struggle to make decisions? I think there's a couple reasons. You could probably add to this list, but maybe one reason is we're overwhelmed with choices. Do you know how many choices and decisions you make in a day? Anybody want to venture a guess? How many decisions do you think you make in a day? A thousand. A million. Shooting high. 35,000 decisions. Now you'd say 35,000. Well, it starts with this. What do I wear? Do I take a shower now? Do I take a shower later? Should I have breakfast? What should I eat for breakfast? Should I slow, slow down at the yellow or speed up and beat the red? Which one, right? It's all a decision. Am I passing on the left lane? Am I passing in the emergency lane? Am I going too slow? Am I going too fast? All these decisions that we have, and we haven't even gotten to work or gone to school or wherever we are, right? There's something that happens that's called decision fatigue. And decision fatigue is we've made so many decisions that we're starting to get lazy. So now it's, it's later at night, we've got our apps out, and it's like, do I keep scrolling? Do I keep swiping? Do I keep this? Do I keep that? And you know what? The more we go on in decision-making throughout the day, we probably are making poorer and poorer decisions. That's why if you've ever tempted, my mom used to tell me this, nothing, nothing good ever happens after 11 p.m. at night, right? And I'd be like, oh, mom, come on. Uh, you know what? She had a point. Like, she grew old and got wise for a reason. Our decision-making goes downhill the later it gets, when we have decision fatigue. If we're not careful, that's when we're going to start to make poor decisions. Maybe they're fueled by our selfishness. Maybe they're fueled by, by just our exhaustion. But, but we're still probably not making as good of decisions towards the end of the day. So newsflash, make the most important decisions at the beginning of the day. How about that? Right? Why don't, why don't you just choose to start your day in the Word of God? That's a great decision. All right, second, we're afraid of making wrong choices. Anybody ever been so afraid to make a decision that you don't make a decision, which is actually a decision in itself, right? So, so we get caught in this, all right, I'm sitting in the driveway, I'm in my car, the car is parked, and I'm like, should I go left, should I go right, should I go left, should I go right? The reality is you're not going anywhere. In engineering, I used to call this analysis paralysis, where we get so caught up in, well, this data says this, and this data says this, and I'm like, we just need to make a decision and get moving. Like, it's okay. Close enough is good enough sometimes. You're never going to get to perfection. That's being afraid of making the wrong choices. We can let emotions overrule our logic, right? Anyone ever heard that the first rule of real estate is don't get emotionally attached to the houses that you're seeing? Right, and how many have ever gone looking for real estate and gotten emotionally attached? Yeah, why do we do that? Like we, we know the rule is you don't get emotionally attached, but then we get emotionally attached. And then when the house falls through, we're like, oh, can't believe the house fell through. Don't let our emotions overrule our logic. Maybe it's not a house. Maybe it's the next shiny object. Maybe it's the, the infomercial that comes on and says, you got to have this thing. That's, that's my deal, seriously. And I don't watch them anymore because I know what happens. But they look so good. It's so shiny. Thank God I don't buy it unless they have the money-back guarantee because, you know what, a lot of times you return it. It's not what they said it was. Maybe your credit card bill shows a different story, though. 
where we go into debt because we're buying things. Why are we doing that? So let's look at some men in the Bible, and we're going to talk about the power of pre-deciding. Daniel was taken captive from his home to serve in a foreign land with foreign gods in a place called Babylon. And when he gets there, they wanted him to, to eat all the special food so that he would be wise and he would look healthy and, and he would be prosperous. And this is what it says in Daniel 1.8. He was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Daniel, you just got taken from your home and brought into, into captivity. Like, God has abandoned you. It's okay. You don't have to keep serving God. He's abandoned you. What are you doing, Daniel? Like, just go along to get along. You're not the chief here. You're the servant, Daniel. Why are you making waves? You're going to put a bullet. You're going to put a target on your back, and they're going to put a bullet in your head, Daniel. Why are you doing this? I guess they didn't have bullets back then. They could put a sword in his side, right? But Daniel was determined to do something. He wasn't going to listen to what the enemy might tell him. He's like, no, I know my God. Even though I'm just, I'm not in, in, in my home country anymore, now I'm in a foreign land, I'm still going to make decisions based on who my God is. There's something about the power of pre-deciding. Daniel could decide what he wanted to do, and it, it carried him through the rest of his life, if you know the story. Job, we know the story of Job. He was the most righteous man on earth. God was bragging to him about, God was bragging to, to the devil about him, and the devil said, yeah, Job, I mean, God, he's, he's praising you because everything's going well in his life. Let me, let me bring some trouble and see if he praises you. So on one day, he loses all of his kids. They all die. He loses all of his cattle, all of his possessions. This happens. He breaks out and boils then. And, and now he's just miserable. And what is his wife telling him? Job, curse God and die. Like, you can't keep going on like this. But, but Job, in his defense, is saying, this wasn't brought on to me because of my sin, and he tells us this one line in Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. This is what righteousness and holiness looked like to Job. He decided before he ever got into a tempting situation, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And then he followed. He followed the plan. And that's an example for us. So as we look at the power of pre-deciding, I think we need to ask ourselves a question, what was it that drove these men to make the decisions they made? Right? Why could Daniel stand in the midst of adversity in a foreign land? Why could Job, in the middle of all this personal sickness and, and tragedy and harm to his life, what anchored him that he could say, you know what, I'm not going to look at a woman lustfully? What anchored them? I think the question is this what did they value? What did they value? They were sold out to God. And there's a question for all of us. What is it that we value? Again, I'm not saying what do we value with our mouth. I'm saying what, where do our feet take us? Because it's not just what you say. It's what you do that really matters. Right? I can say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And then I'm honking the horn on the way out of the parking lot. Right? <laughs> Get out of my way! All right, is that really the fruit of the Spirit right now? I don't know. I, I never heard yelling at the, at the driver. It's, it's rewarding at times, but it's not really a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> so what does it look like for our actions to line up with our words, right? To, to live a life of worship, not just when we raise our hands on a Sunday morning and praise God, but to live a life of worship on Sunday night, 
when we're home with the family or on Monday when we're with our coworkers or we're at school. What is it that we value? Because I think if we value what God values, we're going to start, our, our decision-making is going to improve. So if you consider what you value, maybe ask yourself this question, what's really the most important thing to you? Or if people were going to talk about you and mention some things, what would you want them to say? What do you want to be known by, right? These are the things that we value. And when our values are clear, our decisions become easier, and this is what we're going to be looking at through the rest of this series, is what are those things that we value and how do they lead us to better decisions? And what we're going to find is, Really, there's a value in being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives and being led by the Word of God. And when we make that our value system, hey, if the Word of God says this and I'm going to follow it, it's that commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He's going to bring it to pass. When we value that, it's going to lead us in a direction that maybe some of us say, hey, I'm not happy with where my life is right now. Well, what choices have you been making? What decisions have you been making? What's, what's been your value system in that? If you can't get out of your own way, then try to do it God's way. Try to go back to what does his word say. So I I love this part here. When our values are clear, our decisions are are easier. So this is what I see with Job and and with Daniel. When they were faced with a situation, they had pre-decided, this is the action I'm going to take. So now I'm going to try it on for size. Try it on with me. When I'm faced with temptation, how about that's my situation, what could I pre-decide to do? Well, I know in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that no, the temptation is common to all of us, right? And and then it says that God is going to limit the temptation, and in every way, in every temptation, he's going to make a way of escape. So what I could say is, all right, when I'm faced with temptation, God, I'm going to look for your way of escape, because your word says that you provided it. God, let me see the way of escape that I don't have to fall into that temptation, Sometimes the way of escape is don't go down that road anymore. Take a different road home, right? There's ways that we can avoid temptation, but when we're faced with it, this is what we can predecide to do. How about when we're faced with being envious of others, right? Anybody ever get on Facebook or Instagram and look at the pictures of where all your friends are, the exotic places they are, how much fun they're having, what their lawn looks like? My lawn doesn't look like that. I don't have what they have. And we get envious, don't we? Like, gosh, I want to go there. I want to do what they're doing. They look like they're having so much fun. So how about we can pre-decide to be thankful in all things and say, God, I'm going to choose to be thankful for what you've given me because if I make my home my oasis, you know what? It's going to be a joyful place. And I can have joy too. I can be thankful in, in all situations for this is the will of God concerning me. So if I choose to commit my way to the Lord and let him direct my steps, he's going to lead me, it says, in his presence, his fullness of joy. That's what I can do when I'm faced with those situations. When I'm faced with the culture of the world that says, just go along to get along. Don't be one of those weirdo Christians. Like, you don't have to be Christian at work. Not everybody's got to be Christian at work. Really? But isn't there a temptation at times that we just want to fit in? And it's hard to be the light that God's called us to be in the midst of darkness because darkness and light don't really go together if you haven't noticed. So maybe we can pre-decide, God, you're going to be my rock. I'm going to listen to what your your word has to say. I'm going to obey it. I'm not just going to listen to it. I'm going to obey it, and I'm going to be wise. 
Why? Because I value what God says over anything else in my life. I know it's only in his presence that there's fullness of joy. And if, even if I'm not joyful right now, I know when I continue to press into his presence, I'm going to get there. Right? When our values are clear when, and, and our decisions become easier when our values are clear. Chris, would you come up here for a minute? So what does it look like today to take back our life? You know, I, I believe for some of us, we've got good lives. I, I talked in the Shiloh News that there's times I just have to remind myself, my life is full. Like, I've got a good life. But there's some of us, you know what? Life is not good, and it's okay to admit that. But let's look at what got us here. You know what? I can look back in my life and see good decisions I made, and I can see bad decisions that I made. And all those decisions led me to where I am today. But I have the unique opportunity, and all of us have the unique opportunity, what's the decision we're going to make today that's going to lead us forward? Right? If you're going in a good direction, keep going in that direction. But if you're not going in a good direction, if your life is miserable, if you don't have any joy, and you're feeling overwhelmed, and your relationships stink, you know what? Turn the other way and say, Jesus, I need you. Right? We, we were praying this morning before service, And I felt like today was a day for us to say, if we harden not our hearts, today can be the day of salvation for all of us. Now, when I say today can be the day of salvation, I know some of us think, oh, I gave my life to Jesus when I was young. I'm not asking you when you gave your life to Jesus. I'm asking you, how about today? Are you living for God today? Or is you saying it with your mouth and your feet are telling a different story? God can rewrite our story today with a decision to choose to follow him with a decision to choose to commit all of our plans to him and he'll direct our steps. Maybe we're not being directed on our steps because we've never committed our way to him. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? So I want you just to take a moment, close your eyes and just take a moment and say, God, what have my decision, what have my decisions looked like in the past week or the past month? God, are there some decisions I've, I've just made that have been bad decisions? God, they've not been grounded in your word. I'm living for myself. I'm not living for you. Because if, if you can say that to God, this is the beginning of repentance. It's the acknowledgement of, God, I've been going a direction that's not the right direction. God, I've not been following your word. I've not been true to what your word says. And I think this can apply to all of us at some, in some point. But I'm asking the Holy Spirit to personalize it to you. And if you find that there's decisions you've been making and you want to choose a different path, you want to choose God's way, you want to commit your life all over again to the Lord, would you raise your hand before God and just say, God, that's me. God, I want to choose to follow you in a different way today. God, I want to make better decisions. Yeah, I see hands all over the place. So now it's up as we raise our hand before God. He sees your hand. He knows you want to go a different place. We got to pray. And we've got to ask God to move in our lives. So pray with me, all of us. Dear Jesus, I've been making bad decisions and they haven't been grounded in your word. And Lord, today I want to turn the page. I want you to rewrite my story. I don't want to have a hard heart before you and go my own way. Jesus, I'm putting you first in my life. Jesus, I'm declaring you're my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, you take the wheel. I got the passenger seat. I commit my life to you. I ask you to order my steps, order my plans. Lord, help me praise you with my life. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, today is the first day of the rest of our lives. But don't make a decision here and then walk out and, and lose sight of it by the time you hit the parking lot. Right? If, if you raised your hand, if you made a decision, we're going to have a prayer team here. Right after service prayer team, you can come up now. Come pray with one of these people and seal your decision in prayer. It's really important. It says one puts 1,000 to flight and two puts 10,000 to flight. So there's a power that happens. That's why we always invite people, come up and pray with someone because there's a power in praying the prayer of agreement. Amen? All right, if, if you're going to be water baptized, we're going to start probably at a... 5 of 11 or 11. If you've got kids over in children's ministry, you're going to be water baptized. There's time for you to go get your kids and come back, but not time to talk like 15 minutes in the parking lot. You might miss baptisms. If you're here and you don't want to watch baptism and you don't have a kid, there's lunch downstairs. So we're, we're ready for that as well. But thanks so much for coming. Have a, have a great day and we hope to see you next week. God bless.